So if you are joining with us today, this is week number two of a brand new series that we are launching uh, for this first part of the year, and we've entitled it The 411, right? Uh, the 411 of the Bible. Uh, and for a lot of you here this morning, it's uh, maybe a relatively newer term of, of this generation. When we think about 411, it's really uh, an international sign of something that we want or that we need by way of information. In fact, I looked up in Webster's Dictionary, and they define it as a slang term that, that simply states, this is their words, not mine, what's the skinny, right? So it's kind of this understanding that when we want 411, or we talk to people, hey, here's the 411, it's kind of like we want to know what's going on. And that really sets the stage or the platform for what I think will be important for us in this early part of this brand new year. I think if you have ever said, man, I've been in church for years, and yet I still don't feel like I have a really good grasp of the Bible, and I, I, I wish I knew more, then this is going to be an amazing series for you to be a part of. Or maybe you're one that says, well, I know some of the stories in the Bible, but I don't really know the story of the Bible. And that's what we're going to unpack and unfold for you each week. And so it'd be really important that you have an opportunity to join with us. And if that's where you're at, if that's going to do something for you, then I think that we're going to be able to, to unpack a lot of good stuff for you today. When we think about the Bible in total, we realize that the Bible story begins with two people in a beautiful earthly garden, and then it ends with a multitude of people. The Bible says from every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every people worshiping God in a magnificent city in heaven. That the story moves from what we understand here on earth and it translates us into what eternity is going to be like. And so it's gonna be an amazing adventure and ride as we work through this process together. And really my hope is, is that we're just getting started, is that this series is going to do a couple of things for you today. First of all, I hope that it may challenge some of you to get into God's Word and, and ultimately maybe take this year as a challenge of reading through God's Word the entire year. So let me show you, we have a little slide for those of you that maybe are challenged say, Pastor Jim, I'd like to know the Bible story. Well, that means that, that we've got to get into it. And so we want to help. We're going to read along this year as, as a church family to read through the Bible this year. And version is a wonderful app that, you know, is recommended almost everywhere. And so if you go to version and download that app and just type in, you know, reading plan or read through the Bible in a year, you're going to come and you'll see this, all right? And that's the one that we're all going to be reading through. It roughly takes about 15 minutes a day if you can stay consistent. The reason why I want to bring it up again this week is that if you wait a few more weeks to get started, how many know you're going to do a lot of catch-up, right? So it's early to get it going and get it started now, all right, and jump in with us. So that's the first thing that we hope as we kind of move through this series. The second thing is maybe for some of you today, It'll be like an aerial photograph to help you get maybe a, a much bigger perspective of the Bible so that as you dig in a little bit, as you're here on the ground and maybe in your own personal study, that I'll be able, I will be able to provide 
a few more navigational points as you get to understand uh, the meaning, really, and how personal the Bible can be to you, how meaningful and how helpful it can be for every one of our lives. So as we go through the series, it's not necessarily going to be verse by verse or book by book, but I want to introduce to you some major themes and characters to help you to understand the mission of the Bible and how it focuses on Jesus and what it can really do in our life. So again, I want to introduce a new word to you each and every week. It's going to be part of a biblical theme that I believe the gospel is hung on and that the foundation on where is Christianity is built. So if you were with me last week, our word last week was life. The Bible begins by speaking to us about life. And there were a number of points. I hope that, again, if you want to jump on the Real Life app, uh, we're not going to load a lot of those notes on for you here on Sunday because we want you kind of to be engaged and do kind of your own diligent and study. But we will load them through the week, and we're going to keep that current uh, that study current throughout the, the semester coming up so that you're going to have some good perspective points and, and foundation points that you can look at as you continue to read maybe this, this year as you read through the Bible. So stay with us on the Real Life app and with this series, all right, because there will be a lot of truths that you'll be able to help look back on and then, again, just kind of commit that to memory. So last week, the word was life. Today's word is curse. It's curse. And maybe here's a big question for a lot of us today. Maybe you've asked it or you've had dozens of people in your lifetime ask the very same question. So if God made everything good, then why is the world the way it is today? Why is there evil If God is this good God, if God is the one that that kind of created all of this and he's this kind of person, then why do we live in a world full of evil? Why is it that bad things happen to good people? Again, maybe some of you have asked that question. Some of you maybe need to know that answer today. Maybe there are people in your life that, that that's all they're after. Like, if you could, if you could answer me that, then, then, then I'd be open to more conversation because, because that's kind of a mystery for a lot of people that they just haven't been able to get an understanding and truth on. And yet the Bible addresses it very early in Scripture. And so maybe if that's you today, then again, that it's awesome that you're here in church with us today. I don't know if you've ever maybe read a good novel and maybe as you were getting into the story and you turned just one of the pages and, and then almost instantly the entire plot twist changed, right? Like it seemed to be going in one direction, maybe you were starting to figure it out and then you flipped the page and all of a sudden something completely different now was going on. There was a plot twist. Well, that's really what happens to us early in the Bible. That's what happens between Genesis chapter 2 and Genesis chapter 3. We started last week with life in the first couple of chapters, but now as we move to Genesis chapter 3, we begin to unpack a plot twist. Genesis 3 opens with Adam now struggling to make a life in a very different world. We talked about Eden last week. We talked about the wonderful creation process that God had made for especially the creation of of Adam and Eve. But now they are no longer inside the garden. In fact, they have been banished to live outside of paradise in a much different world. There has definitely been a plot twist. And I think that in life, if we're not ever feeling well, 
And, and maybe this will help kind of put it into perspective. And we need to go to the doctor. There's usually two things that we are looking for, whether you realize it or not. But, but I think this is what it condenses down to, that we're after an accurate diagnosis and then an appropriate prescription, right? I mean, if we kind of boil down when there is a sickness in our body, here are some things that are very important for us to know. We need to get an accurate diagnosis, and then hopefully we're, we're going to get an appropriate prescription. In fact, I would be very leery of a doctor who gives you a prescription without a diagnosis, right? I mean, that's not how the process works. And so if we don't understand the source of the sickness, then it would be very hard for us to be able to recommend a cure. So we can see that in our physical life, right? That makes sense to us in our physical life, but the very same is true in our emotional and our spiritual life as well. Until we can really understand the cure, it's really important for us to understand just really how far the sickness has gone. And so we realize that it starts pretty early in the Bible. I want to talk to you about the diagnosis. Like, how did the world become evil? How did the world get to a place maybe where we recognize where it is today or maybe where it has been? Well, the Bible helps us to understand that the carrier that infected at the beginning, Adam and Eve, and then we're going to find that trail all the way to our world today, he is described by various names in the Bible. He's known as Lucifer. As Satan, he's known as the devil, and that word described to us means an adversary or one who opposes. And so we realize that in this plot twist that there is a new character that has been added to the storyline. His name is Satan, and he is primarily the enemy of God. And because he is the enemy of God, he therefore is out to destroy all of God's creation. I'll get into it a little bit more, but maybe just to help you in that opening line. He is not a God. He does not have God nature, God character, God quality. And so he knows that he cannot beat God, so he goes after everything that God has created. And we're going to talk about how that exists in our world today. You see, we don't have necessarily the exact narrative of how he found rebellion against God in heaven, but here's what we do have, and here's what we do know. If we go to the book of Isaiah in chapter 14, we read this, and as I read it to you, I hope maybe your, your ears will pick up on how many times we read the word, I will, I will. Isaiah 14 says this, how you have fallen from heaven, O morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to earth. I want you to understand, and and that's going to be a a teaching point in just a moment. You have been cast down to the earth, this devil, this Satan, this adversary of God. You who once laid low the nations, you said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of you, God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of the assembly. I will be in the utmost heights of Mount Zephon. I will ascend to the top of the clouds, and I will make myself like the great most high. But God says, but you will be brought down to the realm of the dead, and you will find yourself in the depths of the pit. 
And so we don't know the, the genesis of that moment that takes place, but we read about a rebellion that took place in heaven from a, an angel, a spirit being created, formed by God by the name of Lucifer. And somehow in that sense of pride or something that somehow triggered in that spirit that I want what you have. I want more than what you are. And I'm going to go after it. And a rebellion happened in heaven. And God was quick to banish that and sent Lucifer down to earth, down to the realm that is not of God, but that is of man. And so Lucifer unsuccessfully tried to lead this rebellion in heaven against God. But again, because he is a created entity and has no God characteristics, meaning he is no match for God, the Father squashed it by banishing him. And the Bible tells us with a third of the angelic host, those created beings in heaven, they were banished out of heaven into the realm of the world of which we know today. And with that, hear me today, church, with that, the earth became forever infected with evil. So how did the world get so bad? If God is good, then, then, then why do bad things happen to good people? Because long, long ago, there was this rebellion in heaven, and God loosed those to be out of his presence into this place, this earth in which we know. And the earth has become infected ever since. And Genesis chapter 3 talks about how now it has come to influence mankind. The devil began with Adam and Eve, but hear me today, he has continued his attempt to recruit all mankind into his rebellion against God. You see, again, he, he is no match for God, and so his primary purpose is to go after everything that God has created, God's heart, God's love interest to you and I as, as mankind. And so that is why evil continues to exist, why it still struggles inside of each and every one of us. You see, I think any college coach or any wartime general is going to tell you the same thing. That you not only have to spend hours on your offense, but you have to spend maybe equal enough time understanding your opponent's playbook so that you can have a readied defense. You realize if you are going to go into a, a football game or if you are going to go into a war, it, it can't be all offensively minded because you realize there is an opponent on the other side that has a, a plan or a scheme to, to destroy you. And so as much as there is an opportunity for you to, to get an offensive plan, you also have to have a defense. You have to also understand how they are going to come against us and how we are going to have a ready defense for that. And that's what chapter three begins to unfold for us. Here's the enemy's playbook so that you'll have better understanding today. The Bible says this, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the other wild animals that the Lord God had made. And he said that he came to the woman and said, did God really say, do not eat of any tree or of that tree in the garden? So the Bible depicts for us that of all of the creation that was the Garden of Eden and, and whatever vast or whatever dimensions it was, it was all 
for man to enjoy. But God said that there were two trees in the garden, the tree of life, and then the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God said, listen, Adam and Eve, you have access to everything. I've made it all wonderful for you, but there is a tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that I'm telling you to stay away from. And so a lot of people question, there, and there are multiple of questions, kind of in all this story. Unfortunately, I'm sure I'm not going to be able to get to all of them. And because God wanted a relationship with man, God wasn't tempting man. God was being very clear, very upfront, because he wanted this relationship to be of choice, not of force, that God was going to put a decision marker in the heart of man to realize everything that God has done for us, can we trust him with that? And so God put this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and he put a ruling with it to say, you have access to everything, but this tree you leave alone. And the devil jumped right on that. And he came to the woman, and he said, did God really say that you can't eat of this one tree in the garden. You see, his first play, and I want you to know that not only did it happen in Genesis chapter three, but it happened last night, it happened last Thursday, and it happened three months ago. The first thing that the enemy wants to do in your life and my life today is to provide confusion and doubt into what God is saying. Did God really say that? Does God really mean that? You see, God gave Adam and Eve very simple instructions, and Satan's first action was to question it. Listen, if some of you wonder why temptation is a struggle, because the enemy knows your weakness. Listen, if you think you're only offensive-minded and have no defense, I want you to know that there is a spiritual warfare. The Bible is very clear that there is a, a Satan, that there is a devil that has a plan to destroy God's workmanship, God's handiwork, primarily you and me. And the first thing that he wants to do is bring confusion and doubt to the clarity of God's word. You might wonder, Pastor Jim, why is it important for us to read God's word this year? Or that I know, not just kind of for a sake of, of checking a box, but, but a commitment to be in God's word every day. Why, why is that so important? Because the first thing that we understand that Satan will always do, his number one play is to undermine the clarity of God's word. If there is a foundation that must be built in any of you that desire to be a follower of God, to have a relationship with Jesus, we understand that foundation is based on the word of God. That's the spot for you to say yes, amen. There is nothing else more important in your life than to know the clarity of God's word. I would say it's almost his ultimate play. You see, if Satan can undermine the clarity of God's word and generate even the slightest bit of confusion about it, then it's much easier for us to disregard God's command. You see, there's enough within us now with evil in the world, evil in us that is very quick to question when we don't get what we want. Did God really say this? Is this really what God, God means? I mean, would he really do this? You see, unfortunately, that same connection is playing out today 
at warp speed. Whenever the evil one tempts us to sin, his first strategy is to create confusion, to lower our defenses by suggesting to your mind that what you want to do may in fact not really be forbidden by God. I'm sure that he's looked to Adam and Eve and everything that God had created. Look what he's done. Look at all of this. Look at that. Are, are you really going to tell me that God has created all of this and then, and then he put a limit on this? Do you really believe that? Don't tell me you're going to fall for that. You see, from the time that even in our own humanity, when somebody has told us, no, if you want to know, are we infected by this? How many of you, uh, whether it's currently or you can understand in your life, the minute somebody told you no, listen, some of you are probably going to be too honest, even when I tell you don't lift your hand, right? But even when they say don't do that, the first thing that jumps inside of you is like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Right? The minute they tell you, listen, stop doing that. This is not good for you. No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, and we think about it like if you don't do it in the moment, you're all night. Like, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do that. Right? Because of you, because this tempter knows the first play to ultimately get us is to have us live in the sense of doubt and confusion. Is this truly what God has said? The second play beyond confusion and doubt is then presumption. In verse number four, he says to the woman, listen, (laughs) you're not gonna die. It's just a rouse. Like he's just messing with you. You see, God made it clear that if we disobey, there will be a penalty. God wasn't hiding the fact. God's not baiting and switching us. God put it right out there right in front. Listen, I've made all of this. It's all for your best. It's all for your good. But I need to know that you'll trust me, that that this is going to be a, a relationship, not a dictatorship. And so I've created this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and I'm asking you to stay away from it, that you can trust me in that, that I'm going to provide everything for you, but it's going to be a choice for you to believe what I am and what I'm telling you but I want you to know there is a penalty. I'm not playing. And the penalty is death. Now, whenever we read, it, it, it's as dramatic, right, as that word. And, and we have all been affected in our relationships by death. And it's terrible. But in the Bible, the, the, the primary word before what we understand of death is that the Bible speaks of the word of separation. And so God said, if you eat of that tree, if you disobey me, the punishment is, is that we're going to be separated. I'm going to refer to it a couple of times, but if you'll remember, last week we talked about that life provides four wonderful gifts. And that first gift that it provided to Adam and Eve, to mankind, was presence, God's presence. The Bible said every day that God came down in the garden and had connection, but God said, if you disobey me, There is going to be a penalty for that. It's going to be death. It's going to be, we are going to be separated. And we realize that some of you that know a little bit more of the story know that that's exactly what took place. And so the serpent comes to Eve and says, come on. 
you got to be kidding me. You can't seriously believe that this one little act of disobedience is going to lead to something so dramatic as death. Come on. He's just messing with you. He's playing with you. Along with the doubt and the confusion, there comes this presumption on the grace of God. And see, a lot of us have this image that God's kind of this grandfather old dude, right, that just, like, like we can do bad, but at the end of the day, he's just going to pat us on the head, like, listen, I get it, I know, like, but come on, he's going to kind of give us a wink, and, and like, somehow we're going we're gonna to slide our way into heaven. But I'm here to tell you that's not the image that the Bible paints of God. God does what he says that he's going to do. As part of his characteristics, we, from a theological standpoint, call it the immutability of God. That God has to do what he says he does. That's that's what makes him God. And so God said, listen, if you disobey me, it's going to break down the relationship. And I am going to act out on what the consequence of that is. And it's going to cause separation. It's going to feel like death from everything that you have understood, everything that you enjoy, everything that you know. It's going to be the complete opposite of all of that. And I want to keep you from that. I want you to get this point. Like like the middle of this message is probably the most important. I want to see how this plays out. But you see, the enemy causes us to presume on the grace of God. Well, he loves you. He's he's never going to do that. You see, the The devil's action is to get us to lower our defenses with the suggestion that the consequences aren't going to be that bad. Trust me, he told Eve, nothing's going to happen to you. His third play is ambition. For God knows that when you eat from it, the Bible says, that your eyes will be opened and you'll be just like him. You'll know good from evil. He played on the heartstrings of man for this part within us after this image of God that has some kind of understanding that, that we deserve this, that, that we're worth all of this. Again, we see it still tracking through humankind, mankind today. You see, although we are made in the image of God, the, the enemy told Adam and Eve that God was pulling a fast one on them. Listen, he created you or you are here. Look at, all the, look at all the authority and the power that he's given you over all of this creation. He just doesn't want you to know that, that you have the same power. Listen, when we talk about people, kind of our own pride, right? This is what got Satan in trouble in heaven. This is what started the whole rebellion to begin with. And whether we want to admit it or not, we recognize that this idea of self-promotion lives inside of every one of us. And when he began to kind of toss the scales with Adam and Eve to say, listen, God's hiding something from you. Like, you can have all of this. He's, He's tricking you. It's all there. He just doesn't want you to know about it. I kind of love, how many remember kind of maybe cowboy movies or, or maybe even some modern movies that, that uh, maybe the good guys have to round up the bad guys and after the big shootout, right, and it seems like the good guys have won and, you know, whether they have to hold on to them till the, you know, till the cavalry comes or whatever, they realize that they look at their guns and they don't have any bullets left in their gun. But the, but the thing that makes it work is, is that their enemies, they don't know that. 
right? How many kind of get that theme, right? You've seen some movies like that. And, you know, like the little deputy guy will go, well, Sheriff, like, there's like 10 of them, like, and, and I don't even have one bullet in the gun. And again, the guy looks at him and says, yeah, but they don't know that, right? It's what they don't know, right, that, that you're going to be able to keep them. And that's kind of the mind twist that the enemy was trying to give to Adam and Eve. It's like, listen, God's, God's just kind of messing with you. He, this is all yours, you can live, you can rule, you can reign. He just, he just kind of wants to hold this power from you. Listen, there is no doubt that we as people struggle with contentment. Doesn't matter who you are. The richest people in the world. There was a battle just, I read yesterday, that Tesla stock is has plummeted over the last couple of weeks, and Jeff Bezos of Amazon is just dying now that he can leapfrog to be known as the richest man in the world. As if having hundreds of billions of dollars isn't enough, what? I just got to have a little more. He, he's beating me by, by so much. If I can just do this, then, then I'll be the top. Listen, these are the people that have money that are beyond our, we don't even understand. And you would think, when is enough enough? But the fact is, is when we have just a little bit more. When we have a little bit more than so-and-so. When we have what so-and-so has. In fact, it's so important that when most of you probably know of the Ten Commandments, not sure if you'd be able to pick out, but number 10, guess what it is? Don't covet. God didn't give that as a suggestion. He gave it as what? As a command. Because God knew in our heart, listen, if we are opened up, we're going to eat that lie for lunch every single day. And the enemy knew that of Adam and Eve. Listen, <laughs> you have everything that you need. You're just like him. He's, he's just playing tricks on you. You see, the bottom line is he wants to overthrow the authority of God, because a lot of us love that feeling of power, that feeling that, that I'm better, that I have more than somebody else. But God put down some rules. You see, none of us can really enjoy life if the rules are always changing. How many remember from the time you were a kid, maybe you were playing like schoolyard games or whatever, and there was always a kid that, for his own benefit, kept changing the rules, right? Well, well, this was like, this was base. No, 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 I changed it. It's over here now, right? You know those things. So, so whether it's in games on the playground, whether it's board games, or whether we're traveling down the highway, how many realize that driving would be a whole new adventure if the rules kept changing? Right? Life would not be fun Life would be a disaster. I know we don't like rules, but we realize that those boundaries, those borders create enjoyment for us, and God knew that. Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. For the Lord commanded then the man, you must, you are free to eat. Again, I mean, just think about the rationale of this. God says, you can have everything that I have created for you in the garden. Every tree is yours, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 
For if you eat from it that day, you will surely die. There will be separation of life. And this was the law of life in Eden. Let me give you a little principle, again, as we go through God's word. If there ever comes a point where we kind of realize this no that God is putting in this relationship, where, again, like our man, our heart, our inside wants to go for it, and we know the enemy is going to want to do what? He's going to want to bring confusion, going to want to bring doubt. He's going to want to bring presumption. Right? He's going to want to get us thinking, ah, God's messing with us, or this isn't. Like, why would he say that? Like, man, we can just fill in all the blanks. In fact, the enemy knows us so well, he doesn't have to fill in the whole narrative. How many know what I'm talking about? He just has to introduce a few words, and we are really, really good at filling in all the blanks. Well, whenever there is a no, I want you to know why God why God places it there. Because he always wants to protect you and he always wants to provide for you. Listen, the older that we get, the more mature we get, we, we grasp that, we get that. But if you're new and you're struggling and you're wondering why all this stuff happens and, and why God would do this or, or we're listening to the, to the onslaught of the enemy, we're, we're looking at, at, at what offenses that he's bringing to us and God wants to know that the great defense in that is God wants to keep us, God wants to guard us. And so when God puts limits in there, he's not trying to be a big bad guy, it's that he wants to protect and he wants to provide for us. Listen, it makes sense if you are a parent How many times do we have to say no? Listen, the majority of those times, it's not we're out to cause difficulty for our kids. It's what? We want to protect and we want to provide for them. And so in the same way. So Adam, you see, he only knew what was good in the garden. Up until this moment, everything that he saw, everything that he touched, everything that he ate, everything that he was a part of was good. But listen, see, here's the big part of the story today. God knew that there was more on the earth than what Adam knew. And God wanted to protect him from that. You see, what did we read in Isaiah chapter 14 a few minutes ago? This rebellion that happened in heaven and God sent Lucifer and the demonic forces where? To earth. There were things that were happening around Adam and Eve, but to this moment, they didn't know what was going on. They didn't recognize the consequences. They didn't see what God saw. And so God wasn't trying to punish them or play games with them. God was trying to protect and provide for them. And maybe here's how it sounded. Maybe I envisioned God, in a sense, just kind of pulling up a park bench and putting his arm around Adam and saying, Adam, you need to understand that there is a terrible reality in the universe. I know you don't know anything about it right now. You can't see it. I've kept you from it. But there is evil that is all around you. And it's there, and it's real. Now, you don't know anything about it, and what you realize that you might not even think that exists, but 
as your father, I don't ever want you to experience the presence of this evil in your life. And so I need to make this rule because I want to protect you. And I want to provide this relationship. And so I'm asking you, stay away from the tree. Now listen, when I hear that, it, to me it doesn't sound like some, my, you know, some, some crazy judge, right, just kind of throwing the lightning bolts down at, at Adam and Eve. I, I read it as a loving father. And maybe the reason why I can read it and why I want to share that with you today is like this father talking to a son. Because I think in this process that Adam was going to allow his curiosity to get the better of him. And with the woman in that moment, they partook of the fruit of the tree. And if you're wondering like if this story is real, or, or if it really impacts what's, what's happening to you and in our world today. I would say that I would know for a fact that this room is full of either fathers and or sons who had that very same conversation with their dad or their son with maybe a lot of the same consequences in their life. There was a time, maybe now older dad, that you're here, that your father came to you at some point in your life and said, listen, boy, I got to talk to you about the evils in the world. You're, you're wanting to run and gun and you want to have fun and you want to follow all of your friends and you want to get into this, but, but I got to tell you no to this. Like you want to you run free, but, but I'm going to set a curfew because I love you because I want to protect you, because I want to provide for you. And, and if that wasn't a conversation that you had with your dad, then, then I bet that there's got to be the other half in this room where, again, we had sons. And because we love them, and we know that there is evil that is out there, we've had to pull them aside and say, listen, buddy, I want you to know you're not going to like necessarily what I'm about to say. And and you don't understand because you haven't been there yet. I've got some miles on this body that are, that are a lot more than what you have on yours. And I've been places and I've seen things and maybe even I've done things. And I want to keep you from that. So I, I need you to listen to me because there's evil and there are going to be people that are going to put words in it. Your old man don't know what he's talking about. They're going to try to confuse you. They're going to try to have presumption. Listen, no one's going to get in trouble. This isn't a big deal. No one's ever gone to jail because of this, right? Whatever the storyline is. Listen, if you didn't think it happened in the Bible, let's be honest, it happened to you 10 or 12 years ago, or maybe you just had that conversation, or maybe you need to have that conversation with your kid right now. Why? Because we know there's evil out there. And I want you to put into perspective that there was evil in the world. It's just that Adam and Eve didn't know about it yet. And so God said, I've got to have a really heart-to-heart, eye-to-eye conversation. And because they disobeyed God, they got a taste of evil. A lot of people wonder, was this some poisonous fruit? Listen, it didn't matter. It has nothing to do with the fruit. People wonder, was it an apple? 
Yes. Was it a pear? Yes. You know, was it grapes? Yes. It doesn't matter. Has nothing to do with the fruits. It was all about, do you trust me? Do you believe me? Will you honor my words? Listen, if we were kids, and again, kind of in that balance point where we have kids, it's, it's not even so much the activity, right? What we're trying to tell our kids is, you have to listen to my voice because I'm there for you. I remember one time when our kids were young and we lived on a busy street, and again, as parents, we have a, you know, a preclivity to, to say no a lot, Right? And, and with some of your kids, you have to say no way more than maybe some of your other kids. But we lived on a busy street, and I remember having the conversation, listen, there's going to be a time where daddy's going to shout, stop. And it's not for you to debate with me. It's not for you to wonder why or this or that or, or, or wonder, because I see what's coming that you don't see. I see the, the car coming down the street and you don't understand and you're going to step off the curb and, and, and we're going to get separated. And so listen, when you hear my voice, it's not about the activity. It's not about the debate. It's not about all of the things, right, that the enemy wants to fill us with so that we can argue with God about and, and prove our point. That was what the devil was trying to get us to do. Listen, if you take of that, God's just kind of messing with you. You have all of that. He's just trying to, 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 to trick you. Listen, when I tell my kids stop, I'm not trying to trick him that I'm the father and you need to listen to my voice. I'm trying to save your life. You see, that's why we know the story is real, because it's real. You've lived it. I've lived it. But they disobeyed God, and they got a taste of evil. And here's what I want you to hear with me today. You see, once it got inside, it took on a whole new life. You see, the hooks of evil is once you get it, you can't ever get rid of it. Once the stain shows up, it doesn't matter if you use OxyClean. It ain't coming out. Evil gained a grip in Adam's life, and it would be lurking in every decision from that moment forward, and not only in his life, but in the lives of his offsprings, and we're going to talk about that in the days to come, that evil now lived in the heart of man. You see, God wasn't making any surprise stories, he was very clear at the beginning that there would be judgment for disobedience and for rebellion. Verse 23 says, the Lord God banished Adam from the garden. I mentioned to you last week that there were four gifts of life that God has given to every one of us, but now, but now they are cursed. Because of this act of rebellion, and, and you know, maybe we would say this simple act of rebellion, but it wasn't it wasn't a simple act. It was a determined act of rebellion. Listen, God said no. The tempter said, you don't have to believe everything God said. It's not going to be as bad as he said. Trust me. But it was. And maybe in the sense that it was worse. And look how the plot twist in just one turn of the page. Last week we talked about the gift of life that we would have God's presence God says, we're going to hang out every day. But now when we turn the page, God says, 
there won't be that presence anymore. It's cursed. Last week we said that there's going to be a place that God's going to make. It's a wonderful garden. Everything is there for you. It's a wonderful place. You're going to have no need, no want. Whatever you have, there's just going to be more and more to see, more and more to do each and every day. Tomorrow is going to be greater than today. The next day will be greater than tomorrow. You're just never going to be, stop being amazed at my creation and my wonder. But now the place was cursed. And God said, you got to get out. Last week we said that life would bring purpose, that, that he would have a job, that he would have work, but, but he would enjoy it. It would be wonderful. It was the purpose of, of his creation, that God has giftings and ideas and plans and creativity. And, and, and you're going to enjoy getting up every day saying, man, I can't believe what I'm going to get to do tomorrow. And I'm going to do even more the next day. Man, this work thing is amazing. Like I love to get up every day and go to work. But when we turn the page, what happens? Now it's cursed. Listen, I know there's a few of you crazy ones out there that still love to go to work every day, right? But let's be honest, as humanity, right? Now work, it's a chore. In fact, God described it for them. Listen, these plants and everything that you need, like it it was just there for you. But now there's gonna be thorns and there's gonna be weeds and, and you're still gonna get Enough for you, but you're going to have to work for it. See, God gave them the gift of a partnership with the woman. He said, it's not good that you're going to be alone, and so I'm going to provide for you this wonderful helpmate. She is going to be perfect for you in every way. She is going to complete you. You are going to be a wonderful force in the world But we recognize today that through that act of disobedience that that wonderful life has been so crushed in so many homes today. We realize the struggle between man and woman. It's not always the joy that God had intended it to be. We realize today that now we fight against one another rather when God says, I've created you to be one. You see, by turning the page, the curse has taken away the gift of life. We become separated from God. Today, pain now comes. Wrinkles form. Tears flow. Loneliness settles in. Death shows up. The biblical diagnosis is is that we are all spiritually sick This stain of this rebellion of Adam and Eve now has been passed on to all of humanity. Whether you know it or not, you are stained by sin. I am stained by sin. It is part of the fiber and fabric now of all of humanity. But let me give you before we leave this morning the biblical prescription. Remember what I told you today? You have to get a diagnosis first. You have to understand the cause of the sickness so that an appropriate cure can be provided. And the Bible gives that to us by way of hope. Through what the Bible describes, all of the Bible describes for us as the man, Jesus Christ. You see, no matter where we find from Genesis to Revelation, we are going to find the gift of God in Jesus Christ. He is able to save us. He is able to cleanse us. He is able to heal us. 
He's able to forgive us. He's able to restore us. He's able to reunite us. He is able to redeem us. He's able to strengthen you. He is able to help you. In fact, by the way of his spirit, it says that he gives us the power to say no to ungodliness. You see, everything is contained in the knowledge and the understanding of Jesus Christ. So let me show you how it plays out for us. You see, what God was about to do in this moment was to avoid his judgment on us. We are infected by it. We are, we are bitten by it. But I want you to know what God has done to redeem that. So the first thing that God does, again, in Genesis chapter 3, is that he cursed the serpent who brought this idea of rebellion, of disobedience to man against his creation. He cursed evil. You say, Pastor, why do, we, why do we gather here on Sunday? Well, you know, part of it's to worship, and again, part of it is to learn that there is an enemy that we face that has a strategy to destroy your life. And not only just to destroy your life here but to destroy your eternity as well. And I recognize you say, well, Pastor Jim, I don't know if I necessarily believe that. That's, again, like we talked about last week. I hope that you'll stay with me because I want to take you through God's word. And again, hopefully it will be, again, your choice. And that's, that's what the Bible defines for us is that you and I have the choice. In fact, God loves you enough, as we read in the story, God loves you so much to give you that choice. It seems outlandish and preposterous, like why would God even give us a choice, but God doesn't want to force this on you. And again, I appreciate you listening today, but God wants you to, to trust and believe that he knows you, he created us, and there is a plan and purpose for our life. And as much as God wants to say no to some things, why? Because he wants to protect and provide for us, that if we go against his words for our life, there is a judgment And God cursed the serpent. Cursed are you, the Bible says, above all other creation on earth. And then I'm sure the man watching this happen probably started to tremble, feeling the authority and the power of heaven now, cursing the serpent, realizing, man, I'm next. We've probably all been in a lineup at some point, right? whether it's school or at work, and stuff was going down, and your friends or your work partners are getting picked off left and right, stuff was happening, and then your name gets called, right? You're like, oh, here it comes. It's about to happen. And God looks at Adam, I'm sure holding his breath, and he said, because you listened to your wife and because you ate of the fruit, that which I commanded you not to do, that you must not eat. And Adam hesitates knowing here it comes. So now cursed is the ground because of you. I'm not sure if any of you realize just what happens. But it's the most dramatic, amazing thing that you could ever imagine in your entire life. That's what just happened. Rather than God cursing you, God allowed it to be deflected off of man and now down to the earth. 
Maybe you've never heard this before, and so you're not wowed in this moment. So let me explain. You see, the bad news is, is that God deflected his judgment towards us, and rather than it falling squarely on our shoulders, it now falls to the ground. You see, the bad news is, is that we live in a cursed, evil world, and we are affected by it. And maybe you're not ready to hear this today, but much of our own doing. Why does bad things happen to good people? Why is there so much evil in the world? Listen, we can blame God. Maybe that's where you want to place it on. But the Bible says that a lot of the responsibility is squarely on our shoulders as well. God says, don't do it, but guess what? We thought we knew as much or we were as good as God. And we listened to the lie of the enemy. But God, again, in his love over us, could have wiped us out in that moment. But because of his great love, he allowed a deflection to take place. You see, the good news of the Bible, the good news of the gospel is that there is hope. There's hope for every one of us. Because it was deflected, it means that we are redeemable. That the full blast of God's judgment, of his anger, of his wrath did not come to us. It did come to the serpent. It did come to the devil. And again, it's going to be a few weeks and months before we get there. But if you want to jump ahead in the story... The Bible says that there is going to be a place for all eternity, the pit, the eternal flame, the fire, you might know it as hell, that was never reserved for humanity. It was reserved for who? The serpent, the devil, because of his act of disobedience against God. The bad news is, for Satan is, is that he has no chance. He took the full brunt of God's wrath because of his action. But I want you to know for every one of us here today that there is hope for every one of us. That we are redeemable. Galatians chapter three says this. Maybe Adrian on the band can come and help me. Galatians chapter three says this. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming what? The curse for us. Because it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. If we go back to Deuteronomy chapter 21, this is what Paul was writing to the Galatians about. Because early on, as God was giving direction to Israel, whenever there was an offense that was of the utmost being punishable, most times it was by stoning back in the old days. And many times as a sign of that act of disobedience, people were stoned to death and then their bodies would be hung in a tree. If you know your world history, that has been done over the millennia. It was a sign to people that there is law, that there is judgment, that there is justice. But what Paul helped not only Galatians to understand, but you and I to understand, is that that judgment, that wrath of God was what towards man? Was deflected. We would not have to die. We could not die for our own sin because we were infected with evil. 
But God knew from that very moment that he would provide a mode of redemption, provide hope for every one of us. And it comes by the way of the person of Jesus Christ. And again, you may still deny, but even history will tell us that in our history, we realize that God came to earth. And he took your sin and my sin. In fact, you may remember as part of that moment where Jesus cried out, Father, remember the little story I told you? Do you remember the story of your own father or maybe you as fathers today with your son saying, hey, Jimmy, listen, you gotta listen to your dad because there's some tough stuff out there and I'm trying to protect and I'm trying to provide for you. There's evil and it, it can destroy you. It can separate us. And I don't want that ever to happen. But you recognize when Jesus was hung on the tree, he cried out, Father, Father, why have you what? Why have you forsaken me? See, because your sin and my sin. See, Paul told the Galatians, listen, there's hope for you and I because cursed, cursed is everyone who is hung on the tree. Why would Jesus be cursed? Jesus wasn't cursed. He took, <laughs> he took the curse that would have been on you and I. But God deflected it and had his son carry the cost so that you and I could be free. So that by your choice today, by you realizing the gospel, the story, you see on that very day that man and woman sinned against God, God was already making available to them his grace and his mercy. So let me finish today. We live in an evil world, but listen, not, not by God's design, but through man's rebellion. We are sinful. We were born into sin. And we reap the suffering that comes from sinfulness. That's why the world is the way it is. Because of man's covetousness, because I'm going to overthrow a nation of people. I'm going to destroy them because they don't look like me. They don't sound like me. Whatever the crazy reason is. Because there's evil in the heart of man. But then one day the cross, the cross was made available to restore us, to redeem us back to the Father. And so when we recognize and we receive what it is that Jesus has done for us, it provides instant access back to the Father. What was lost, paradise lost, is now through Jesus Christ, paradise found. Today I still live in a broken world, but I'm not going to live here forever. In fact, the Bible says that I have full assurance because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that when I take this last breath here on this broken and evil world, that I'm gonna take my very next breath in the wonder of the perfect. Listen, Eden was good, but heaven is gonna be so much better. And that I'm gonna live and I'm gonna be in the presence of God forever and forever. And guess what? I'm gonna know the presence of God in a divine and wonderful way that there's going to be joy, that there's going to be presence, that there's going to be friendship, there's going to be joy. 
I want you to know that when we accept what God has done for us through Jesus Christ, we are no longer sinners, but we become children of God. And a lot of people over my lifetime that, you know, they, they keep wanting to hold on to the moniker of, oh, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner. No, when you ask Christ to come into your life, you become a child of God. I mean, because we still live in an evil world, do I still have the opportunity to sin? Yeah, but that's always there. But how many of you label your kids for the rest of their life because of an action that they have done that has not been right, right? Has your kid ever lied to you at some point in their life? Do you keep calling them liar? Or do you keep calling them Billy? Because that's their name. You see, there are actions that are possible for us, but they don't label us. Today, I want you to know when you cross the line and you ask Christ to come into your life, the Bible says that he redeems us. He buys us back, that we're we're good in the eyes of God. And that he calls us, that we have the right to be called sons and daughters of God. You see, It should cause us to live, hopefully, unto him when we recognize of what he has done for us. Colossians chapter 2. Why don't you stand with me all across the room this morning? Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 says this. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ he forgave us all of our sin can everybody just say all he forgave us all of our sin having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness God says if you take the fruit you will surely die there is a penalty it's on the books you're not going to get away with it it's a fact But when Christ stepped in and redeemed us, the charge of our legal indebtedness was what? Deflected onto him. That which stood against us and condemned us, but he has taken it all away when he was nailed to the cross. You see, the truth of the gospel is is that God did for us what we could have never done for ourselves. And the offer is for you and I to receive it, to accept it as a free gift. I want you to know that life isn't about you and I manipulating what God has created. It's you and I being obedient to what God has already done for us. I hope today will be part of a growing knowledge that you and I both need so that we can live life to the full. There are some dramatic twists and turns in the gospel. There are some things that you may or may not fully understand. And I believe that going into this year, when we see chaos, when we see the the understanding in our world that is around us, those that have like studied God's word for a long, long time and are seeing things happening in our world today, that the Bible projected and prophesied and said to us, listen, the end is near when these things are happening. And if there's ever a time where where we need to know what God's word has to say in truth for our life, because eternity is getting closer all the time. 
then this is the time to be found to say, Pastor Jim, thanks. I need this. I have to know this. And my prayer is, is that we are here for you to help you, that not to do this for you, but to help guide you so that you can be assured, I got to know this. There's something that's kind of, and listen, if you've got questions, then you still need to be here, right? If you're not sure about this, then come. This is, I'm not looking to, to banish that. I, I want to show you what God's word truly has to say that I believe can make an eternal difference in your life. Let me pray over you. I'm so glad to have you join with me in this series. I want to give you the 411 so that you know what you need to know, not only in this life, but for the life to come.